0: i always wondered why the uh, 10 with, with oil, why didn't they just share? You ever thought about that? I mean, Jesus is always talking about sharing, charity, all these things. Why? They come to him and they say, come on, give us some. And they're like, no. That's because this parable is not about sharing. This parable is about two things. And it's shown to us throughout the readings today. The two things are this. Number one, time will eventually run out. Be that at your death, or be that at the end of the world. There is going to come a time when you close your eyes forever. Number one. Number two. When that time happens, will you have lived a life in such a way that Jesus recognizes you as one of his followers? Will he know you? I think oftentimes we, we, we think knowledge and in the biblical understanding of knowledge is intimacy so do you know him intimately does he know you intimately or is he just kind of something that's in your life the ancient writers of the church have said that the oil that's used for burning is actually symbolic of the love that these women had for the bridegroom the bridegroom obviously being jesus And their love was extraordinary. So they had a super abundance of oil. And the reason we know that, it gives us a clue in the readings. Because it says, after the other ten had come back, they knock on the door and they're like, let us in. And Jesus comes to the door and he says, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And so here's the reality, my friends. Time is going to run out. And when it runs out, either you are going to know him and he's going to know you and you'll be welcomed into heaven or he will not know you and you will not know him and you will not be welcomed into heaven now i realize this is not a comforting message this morning and i wish i wish that i could come up here and say you know jesus everybody's saved so who cares at the end when time runs out he's just going to have his arms open and say get in here Let's have a hug. I love everybody. I don't care what you've done. You get in here. I know you haven't repented from anything. You get in here too. And it's, this is not my idea. This is his idea. He says it over and over and over. So I don't know where it is seeped in to the, to the church, to Christianity, that everybody's just saved. And as if, you know, like Sunday Mass is enough. Sunday Mass is the minimum. Don't ever forget that. It's not the maximum. It's the minimum. What the Lord wants and what everything means to Him is simply relationship. He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. And in order to do that, you have to spend time with Him. Otherwise, you'll never get to know Him. And so if we're not making every effort to know Jesus and making him the priority of our families, we're wasting our life. I bring this up because I don't know if you know this, but I teach confirmation. And confirmation kids know just about zero about the faith. And I'm not just saying here, this year, I'm saying every parish I've been at, every year I've taught, they know nothing I had one year where I said, I was talking, I said, who can tell me who Judas Iscariot is? And all I got was silence and... If they don't know who Judas Iscariot is, how are they going to know him? I mean, Judas is the most second famous, infamous person in Christianity. I thought everybody knew about him, but they don't. And I'm not talking when you raise your kids, because this isn't the kids' fault. This is the parents' fault. They haven't raised them in the faith. And I'm not just talking coming to Sunday Mass. They haven't talked to them, told them the stories of Jesus. Educated them in the ways of the faith. Every baptismal homily I have, I always use the, uh, <clears throat> the story when Jesus says, Let the children come to me. And I say to parents, I say, it's a scary thing to think about. The only thing that can stop a kid from coming to Jesus is you. You are. Children have a natural affinity for Jesus. If you don't believe me, you come on Thursday at 11 o'clock to Mass here, and you listen to these little kids sing these songs, Sanctuary, and you know Jesus is the love of mine. It is unbelievable. It, you don't know whether to laugh or to cry. Because they are just screaming these songs But it's so pure It's just this pure love Radiating from the heart of a child And parents can either Snuff that out Or they can feed it I read an article a while back That said the average Christian prays Six and a half minutes a day Six and a half minutes a day Imagine Married people if you just spent six and a half minutes a day together, some of you might be like, that'd be great. <laughs> but some of you might sit back and be like, how could you even survive as a married couple by sending six and a half minutes? You would, never, you would know each other. So too in the faith. So too in the faith. We cannot say we're Christian and pay six and a half minutes of prayer in a given day. People are just wasting their lives right now. And the world fuels it. You got people addicted to video games, TV, Netflix, social media, and these don't bring relationship. These bring division. These bring isolation. I was out walking the other night, praying my rosary. I don't want this to sound weird. I don't look in people's windows, but I was walking, praying my rosary, and on the sidewalk, just looking at people's homes, and people had windows open, and you just see everybody watching TV. Or then you'd have windows that were closed, and you could see, you know, that glow. That kind of counts. It's the TV. Everybody is watching TV. How much time do you spend in prayer versus how much time do you spend watching TV? We wonder. I I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, where is God in the midst of all this? And I say, where are his people? God works in and through us. He tells us his great ideas and then we go out and tell the world about it. If you're not listening to him, he can't get his way. The bulk of America right now is listening to the TV. And we wonder why our country is a mess. And what are we doing? What are we doing to, to push back against this? As far as I can see, we complain. Everybody diagnoses the problem. Any one of us could sit down in here and over one beer, it wouldn't even take more than one beer, over one beer, we could diagnose every problem of America. But what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Are you complaining? See, Can you believe all that out there? Or are you going to sit back and say, you know what? I am part of the problem. I'm doing what everybody else is doing. God called me out of the world and I'm in it. There should be something noticeably different about us. Ever since the election, all I hear is complaining. Complaining, complaining, complaining. How did this happen? How did we get here? You want to know? I'm going to tell you right now. We let it happen. This is a Christian country. Christians got complacent, they stopped praying, and they let the secular world take over. That's exactly what happened. We were founded on Christian principles, and we got complacent, and we lost them. It's our fault. And so the remedy, the answer to the problem is us. When you and I start, stop paying attention to all of that and start paying attention to that, that's the difference between a secularist and a faithful Catholic. Did you know, this is interesting, I just found this out, did you know of the 22 major civilizations in the history of the world up to the present time. Nineteen of them have caved from within. Only three were attacked from the outside and brought down. Nineteen. And you know what happened? People just lost heart. They gave up. They put down their swords. They raised the white flag. They turned over everything to the government. It will be no different with our nation. Unless we do the one thing that actually matters. And Jesus tells us what that is. He says in John's gospel. This is eternal life. That you know. That he knows you father. And Jesus whom you have sent. That's the answer. Relationship with Jesus. Did you know there is only one place in the Bible. Let's say in the New Testament where Jesus asks for something specifically for himself. He asks his disciples to do a lot of things. Go out, preach the gospel, this, that. that. There is one place where he says, just do this for me. This one thing. Anybody know what that one thing is? No, Peter. What is the one thing he asks? What? Raise your hand. I got, I got to see it. There we go. Stay awake and pray. Four, one hour. Could you not stay and pray with me, one hour? And you know what? They didn't. They didn't do it. And you know what happened when the authorities, when the Jewish government showed up? Guess what they did? They ran. They ran and they let him be crucified. And we're running. We're running, and he's being crucified again because he said, I am the truth, and truth is being snuffed out. If you and I want to make a difference in this messed up world we're living in, stop complaining and start praying. One of the greatest things that we have at our parish is Eucharistic adoration. Eucharistic adoration. We have two days. Tuesday and Thursday, with a combined total, I think, of 13 hours that we need to fill. We ask for two people for each of those hours. That's 26 people, 1,200 families. We can't find 26 people to fill those hours. How is that possible? And this is not an indictment. This is an encouragement. I wish we had perpetual adoration. And we got the numbers to do it. But do we have the desire? Or would we rather sit at home and watch the news? Do we care more about who won the voice? Which Kardashian is the most messed up? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Is that fueling the problem or fighting the problem? I am begging you to start praying. And if you are praying, pray more. In the end, As I said a few weeks ago, I have allegiance to no political party. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And he is still on his throne. And will be till the end of time. And either you side with him or you side with the world. Which means either you're part of the problem or you're fighting the problem. I want to read a quote I've read before. It was life-changing for me. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting in this church or in my chapel and I'm praying, I'm just distracted. I'm looking at the stained glass window at the ceiling. I have all these thoughts running through my mind. I'm like, am I really praying? And I remember thinking this on retreat one time and I was preparing for mass. And I was like, I have been praying like five hours a day for 14 days straight. And I feel like nothing's happened. I am wasting my time. By the way, I don't suggest that's how you prepare for mass. But that's how I was preparing for mass that day. That mass, the priest got up, and this is all he read. Why should I spend an hour in prayer when all I do is think about women I could marry, friends, books I could write, people that annoy me, and all those silly things that grab my mind? My mind is never centered on God, it seems. The answer is because God is greater than my mind and my heart. And what is really happening in the house of prayer is not measurable in terms of human success or failure. What I must do first and foremost is be faithful, If I believe, and I mean I really believe, that the most important commandment is to love God with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul, then the least I can do is spend time with Him every day in prayer. The question as to whether it is useful, practical, helpful, fruitful, is completely irrelevant. Because the only reason to love is love itself. The remarkable thing is that staying in the presence of God, one hour a week, Week after week, month after month, in total confusion and completely distracted, radically changes my life. I might think that each of these hours is useless, but after 30 or 60 or 90 of these useless hours, my life changes forever. That day I experienced God saying to me, don't you ever say, time with me is wasted time. Ever. and I have spent one hour or more a day ever since that day with him in the blessed sacrament and so if you've never made that decision I want you right now to close your eyes and pray this prayer with me to go all in Father in heaven we come before you as your sons and daughters and some of us have a hard time trusting you And some of us have a hard time making you the priority. Some of us have a hard time believing that you even care. But right now I give you permission to break into my life and even more, let me know you. Let me experience you, feel you. Let me not stay distant, but let me belong to you. Give me the grace now so at the end of my life I can hear your voice speaking my name and saying to me, I know you. Now enter the kingdom forever. Amen.